The Money Show. Shapeshifters. It's time to talk to an incredible shapeshifter now, Amanda Dambuza, the founder and group CEO of Uyandiswa. Amanda, of course, a project management consulting firm that she started about eight years ago. That was Uyandiswa. She's also the founder and director of Leadership Development Strategies, a company founded in 2016. She was also the financial services director of the JC-listed software company Adapt IT. But her successes didn't come without any challenges, the many accolades and industry respect she's earned came with serious sacrifice and fight and we find out how she was able to shape shift and make a success of her life and career uh, amanda welcome to the money show thank you so much for having me i appreciate it thank you do you ever listen to people reading out your profile and think wow i've been able to achieve all of this do you ever take time to reflect it's a bit of an out-of-body experience, to be honest. Um, it's it's as though they they're talking about somebody else. <laughs> but but I know I know what it took to to get to all of that. I I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's start firstly with with your upbringing. I mean, where were you born? Uh, where were you brought up? And uh, where were you playing around? Which playgrounds were you in South Africa? <laughs> I was born in KwaZulu Natal in Bangini. Uh, but uh, when I was a baby, my mom and my dad went their separate ways. So I grew up uh, where she had grown up in the trans guy. So my playground was the dust, dusty, dusty streets of um, a rural trans guy in a little town called Mount Aleph. And when I was 13 years old, um, came to Joburg to, to live with my mom. And that started in the dusty streets and roads of Mshenguville. And mm. near Clip Town in Soweto and um, later to Orange Farm, even dustier streets in Orange <laughs> Farm. <laughs> Let's talk and, about and then. Yeah, so that's, that's my background, yes. Let's talk about Trans Guy then and, and how you grew up as a young girl there, wide-eyed, but then you then have to migrate with your mother to Johannesburg where most of the money is being made at the time. How does the shift, yeah. um, you know, affect you as a young girl moving from a rural area to this bustling, uh, dusty area that you were talking about of a range farm? Well, we didn't just uh, uh, move uh, uh, from from the trans guy. We ran away. So, because it was a very tough up, a tough upbringing, um, rife with a lot of abuse. And my siblings and I, I'm one of three, and I'm the last born. So we ran away. Um, we came to be with our mom in Joburg. Um, my mother had always been in in Joburg. You know, typical migrant laborer story. Um, she had uh, uh, lived in, in Joburg. Well, she actually left when I was a baby to come in and make a life for herself in Joburg. Um, so, so the, the, the shift was, was that we, we firstly just wanted to be reunited with our mother, um, and, and also to, to start to, to build up, uh, you know, um, a life for ourselves that seemed, that seemed to have a little more opportunity. But at the at the core and at, at the core of what we longed for the most was a was parental love, and that's how we came to to live with our mom in Joburg. And how tough was it to to rebuild the life you're talking about, running away from the trans guy, uh, having to deal with an abusive household, to get away from that and to start a new life with your mother, who I'm sure as well was trying her best to make sure that her children were okay. But just that that upbringing as a young girl um, to go through those those tough decisions and that tough life in the beginning. 
I, I guess for me as a teenager, it was, um, I mean, I was 13 when I started staying with my mom and my mom was 40 years old and she had, you know, another husband. And, um, and for us coming to, to live with her, we lived in this little shack in Shengoville. And it was, it was a, a highly traumatic experience because we, we had come from the trans guy, yes, where we had ample space, you know, the, the rooms and houses were bigger uh, in rural style, of course. But, you know, you come to, to a place. So, so the trade-off was that we, we gave up um, a roof, a bigger roof over our head. But, you know, that roof came at a very high cost. Um, and we came to live with my mom, tiny little shack. Um, it was chaotic. My, my brother and my sister were well into their teens and and for all of us it was a big adjustment but but once again i mean what i saw there was an opportunity to to first of all build a relationship with my with with my mom and 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 have somebody guide me uh, particularly and and also you know hold my hand and tell me that everything was going to be okay um so so at the core of it at the core of that shift was to start start driving towards a future that 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 had more promise than than what we had in in the trans guy and i mean you know you said it you know job how thing this is a place of gold so everybody comes here to dig yeah. gold right <laughs> and and also it was also about obviously the next step in my life which was a better education i come from full on bantu education system and and you know there the, there's only so much and that that can can take you or there's only so much you can do with that and only so far that it can take you so coming to Joburg was really about exploring um what more is 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 there for us and and i had always been a hard worker even back in the trans guy at school at home we grew our own vegetables you know we had we were very self sufficient um so the transition was whilst highly desirable and 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 orchestrated um it was it was quite a shock to the system to come to to Soweto, particularly around that time. And if you remember, it, it was around, you know, those times of Amat Aera in the streets, you know, yes, the yes. burning. It was chaotic. So, <laughs> but but again, like I said, it was that was the trade off to to starting to be a family. Look, when you have like a, a chaotic upbringing and a tough upbringing, you always look out for, you know, the positive role models al- around you, whether it's a community member that's, um, you know, a, po- a postman, but looking after their family or a teacher that's really inspiring and willing uh, to take your hand and, and, and produce a, a quality student. Who are those people inspiring you um, in those tough conditions? I I actually wish I could tell you I had that. Um, I I when I was in the trans guy, there was I had one of our teachers who became my spiritual leader, and um, because you know what it's like when you when you're in a deep dark valley, you kind of have to you know find something to hold on to, and she was um, that person that guided me spiritually, but. You know that relationship soon soon became frail because she started telling me about how I couldn't wear shorts. You know, <laughs> a child of God doesn't dress like that. And at such a young age, I was like, Nah, I don't think that's the right God for me. You know, um. So so I I, I guess back then as a, as a child, I was I was also quite 
quite resolute in what I believed was right or wrong in, in relation to, to, to my life. Um, you know, in, I, I, I am a big mentor right now. I, I do mentor at scale on my platform online called Vastly Sage um, on the YouTube channel, and I do that for free. Um, and I do that because I know what it's like not to have somebody um, that you can look up to, that you can bounce off your ideas off. Yeah. Um, and somebody can just tell you that, you know, everything is going to be okay. Seasons do change. So, so I guess I am that now to thousands and thousands of people probably around the globe um, purely because I didn't have it. And I'll tell you a little bit later, I mean, about the, the, the one person I did come across in my corporate yeah, career. Yeah, and we'll pick up on that conversation yeah. on your mentorship and uh, some of the people that you've inspired yourself. Of course, that's our shapeshifter, Amanda Dambuza, founder and group CEO at Uyandi. So I will speak to her after this. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Thank you for staying with us. Our shapeshifter tonight is Amanda Tambuza, the founder and group CEO of Uyandi. So she's also an author of the world acclaimed book, Baked in Pain. Amanda, I just want us to pick up uh, at your, right at, at the end of your schooling in matric, you know, as a young lady looking to, you know, better her life. What are you envisioning for your life at that particular stage? Well, first of all, I just wanted to grow older, um, you know, and, 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 and do your own things. <laughs> exactly. And own my destiny because I had come from, you know, a, a background that, that, that said, um, you know, the adults around me were doing whatever they wanted to do to me. So I firstly just wanted to grow older because that for me was the promise of changing my life. And when I was at, um, towards the end of my matric, um, you know, we were all promised at the time that education is the key to success, you know. And I knew that for me, I needed to at least get a university degree because I, I, I didn't have a background where I can call someone to fall back mm. on or, or have someone, you know, that you can call and say, can you talk to so-and-so to help me out with a job or something. So for me, it felt that... Um, I didn't come from much, but an education would really open a door for me. And what I did within that, those doors that opened for me was completely up to me. And I was up for that challenge. So I was, I was so hopeful. I was, I was so going to change my life because, I mean, as you can imagine, having come from tough upbringing, living in shacks, both in Chengoville and in Orange Farm, whilst we were waiting for RDT houses. And I mean, remember, this was 1991. And, um, you know, that, that kind of uh, uh, lack and that scarcity of resources was incredibly difficult. So I was looking forward to, to changing my life and, you know, in a way, um, I turn around that script and flip it upside down. Look, and you definitely did. I mean, uh, you were really up against it. You worked in the call center industry, but then when do you decide, look, I'm going to go out on my own and create my own legacy? Well, I mean, I have been an entrepreneur since I was 23 years old. And this was as a result of this conversation around owning my destiny. So for me, just having a job never felt, you know, like that was it. Because what happens when you lose this job for whatever reason? Um, so I always felt that I needed to always have, you know, something on the side, side income, side hustles. So I started selling nail polish, handbags, you know, I had a flower business. I was doing corporate uh, flowers for corporates. 
and I was doing flowers for events. So, so I, that that's when my entrepreneurship journey started. And I had, you know, a hair salon business. I've had a failed franchise business. I've had <laughs> a linen store. <laughs> There's nothing I did. I haven't tried. And um, and and back in 2007, my twins had just been born and. I decided that, you know, I was going to leave corporate and just spend a little more time um, with... I I allowed myself a little more flexibility. But then that's when I invested in a franchise business um, back in... in, We had moved to Cape Town. And I can tell you, it was a disaster. So (laughs) that was my first attempt. But failing is part of it, isn't it? Uh, Failing and just moving on and picking up yourself up, picking yourself up and moving on to the next project. In fact, I don't know any entrepreneur who is successful who does not have a story of failure. But but it's about what is your relationship to failure? Because a lot of people see failure as this debilitating thing and that they're done trying, they're too scared, they're terrified. But for me, it was take the lessons. They were tough lessons, by the way. Those school fees I paid were incredibly high. Expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I knew that, you know what, um, I had a skill, so I, I was, by then I had, I had been trained up and I was a professional project manager. I knew that I had something to fall back on in terms of my uh, corporate career. Um, and I knew that at some point I'd try again. So I went back into corporate. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't even long, got a job because I was swimming in debt. I mean, I had a I had a, rent, a rental at least that was three years and I cut it short after six months or like I terminated it after You make it months. sound like so easy. You were swimming in debt, like you were enjoying it at the time. <laughs> Wait, I was drowning in debt. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was it was uh, it was a, a, a difficult time because I had all these you know uh, uh, I had that landlord I owed to I I just had so much debt because I had emptied all of our personal savings credit cards you name it to 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 try and get this business going. In fact, it was around that year that load shedding started, two thousand and eight. Often we had no power mm. and it was a food franchise. And at the time, I mean, the center didn't have backup power. Um, so it's like deja vu where we are, right? Deja vu. I mean, let's talk about uh, starting and getting into business. A lot of entrepreneurs still deal with the imposter syndrome, whether you land your first deal, you feel like you were lucky, yeah. you didn't really work towards it. Do you think some of the challenges you faced as a young woman uh, held you in good stead because you were able to then uh, soldier on through every challenge you went through as an entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. Because I don't think you learn resilience when you are busy coining it, right? And when you're busy having a wonderful life, I think resilience comes with those challenges that you face in life. And my my upbringing really built this this very strong work ethic um, where I knew that nobody was saving me, nobody was coming for me. So I just had to keep going myself and and remember that, you know, the, the only way to the other side of a storm is through it. So for me, it was, there were no shortcuts. There was no, this is the quickest way around something. It was just go through it. And those things really come in handy. And and just being determined to, to, to succeed, you know, determination mm. and and just persistence, you know, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs get one, one no or two no's and they give up. 
But, you know, you have to actually move from the premise that you're going to get more no's than yeses. But those two yeses that you're going to get is what you ride on and you, it's, what, it's the foundation that you build, you know, solid, solid business on. You wrote a bag, uh, baked in pain and also therefore arise, but let's, uh, therefore I rose. Uh, let's start with the first yeah. book. Um, who did you want to target for this book? Because like you said, you didn't have anyone around you to inspire you. Um, yeah. did you perhaps write this book as a memoir to all the girls that faced a similar situation to say you're not alone? Yeah, absolutely. It was a bit of a me too movement for me. Um, and, and at another level, it was about confronting my own pain. Um, and 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 the next layer, it was about also affording my mom the opportunity to get a a glimpse into what my life was like without her, and also mm. um, also you know just for 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 those who have gone through that to say you are you are not alone, but also just know that you can rise above that bad circumstance. You didn't choose the cards you were dealt with, but. You know, so these are typically the things that happened to you, but you cannot then internalize them and make them and, and, and define yourself according to them. But use use that pain uh, to fuel you to do something better for others, to to be there for others, and to heal yourself through that process. So, baked in pain was was a deeply personal um, writing uh, exercise to just release myself from the pain and the shame of of of, of my childhood how do you be, how do you become then uh, that entrepreneur that failed uh, that entrepreneur yeah. that faced debt to becoming a mentor because when people approach you to become a mentor you're still going through your own things you're still trying to get your business to be profitable how do you move from yeah. from that dealing with your own situation and also helping someone else um you know rise from theirs I really don't don't necessarily believe that you are able to help others if you haven't found some solid ground under your footing, right? So for me, I I, I became a mentor well into into my 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 success now as an entrepreneur. I left, by the way, I left corporate again in 2014, and I haven't looked back. So you know, um, uh, consolidating the previous failures and experiences and now gaining success. But even when you are successful as an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean every day you are celebrating a deal. It's just that attitude of saying, listen, assume that you're going to get, there'll be more losses than there will be wins, but make sure that the wins are really um, uh, sustainable. So, so not every, not every pitch we go for, we win, you know, but that one that you win, make sure that you can grow something from it. So I've had, incredible life experience both personally and in my career and as an entrepreneur and I have so much that I'm I'm able to share with people not just in South Africa but around the continent as well as globally because we actually face quite a lot of similar struggles as women and and it it it's it's incredible when you start talking to people across geographies where you also are learning from them in terms of how they are resolving or, or dealing with their challenges. So yeah, I think I mean a mentor is somebody that must have walked the path that you are trying to walk and they have experienced that and they are willing to share it because, you know, people walk through this journey but they won't share it because some people would rather just like, you know, not go there, right? So for me, I went there, I go there, full on, actually. <laughs> I, I leave nothing unsaid. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that was uh, Amanda Tambuza, of course, a very inspiring CEO of Uyandiswa. Um, she's got a consultancy firm, but she does more than that. She's written books that have helped so many young people uh, rise above their own challenges, as she had challenges in her own life. And she was teaching us about her own life and how she became a shapeshifter, uh, moving from a struggling young girl at a young age, running away from the trans guy from a, an abusive home and building out herself into a... Uh, a corporate juggernaut and also an entrepreneur that's well, well recognized around the world. Our shapeshifter today. Thank you so much, Amanda Dambuza, for joining us tonight and inspiring, I'm sure, a lot of young people. She is also big on mentorship, so you can follow her on the socials. Uh, or you can search for Amanda Dambuza there. And just if you're looking for somebody that's really, really gone through it and that can also teach you how to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to achieve in your life and also get your career going, she is our shapeshifter tonight. And you should be checking out either on the podcast on EWN or check it out on our website.